We're trying to adapt to solitude by reading the blurbs or blogs of, or the journals of Thomas Merton in, uh, while we're in quarantine, <laughs> while we're in uh, solitude, our own solitude, it's staying at home in solitude, just reading a book, uh, just reading books. Uh, Well, thanks to the library. We have the Journal of Thomas Merton. We come to um, June 12, 1964. Uh, he says, By surprise, I got a letter Wednesday from Dazitz Titaro Suzuki, secretary saying, Suzuki's secretary saying Suzuki was going to be in New York this month could definitely not come here but really wanted to meet me so could I come there <laughs> that's the DT Suzuki the uh, remember we read him about Zen and like uh, the, how the tea ceremony is and, and uh various things on Japan. So he's coming to New York and he wants to meet me. Could I come there? I thought about it since it is probably the only chance I will ever have to speak to him. I thought it important enough to ask Dom James's permission. I certainly did not think he would give it, but somewhat reluctantly he did. A flight is booked for me next Monday, the 15th. Since this decision has been reached, I am upset and distracted, certainly without much real joy at the thought of seeing Suzuki. That must be something to meet him. <laughs> I can think of nowhere I would less rather go than New York. <laughs> I am to stay on the Columbia campus or at any rate, uptown, out of the midtown section where I would meet friends, that is all right. The only way I can stomach the whole idea is that I think, in good faith, it was God's will for me to ask. For some reason, I should go, not only for my own benefit, I am not supposed to understand, but have to trust. There is more here than I know. <clears throat> I see how much I am attached to this place, these woods, this silence. That is as it should be. If I am to be shaken up a bit, shaken loose, that is good also. You think he should go to New York and get shaken up with Suzuki and with Sun? <laughs> You shouldn't be afraid of New York. We're currently locked into studying Merton in New York because well, <laughs> so I hope he learns something in Zen in this book while we're stuck reading him in New York. June sixteenth, nineteen sixty-four. Extraordinary climb and lift of the jet, my first time on one. Straight up into the clouds like a huge projectile. 
leaning over Louisville and the river, out of the dirty mist, lying on the valley like a scum of water. Fairly large wave of cumuli rising here and there, out of the scum, like something in a fair or dream. After Columbus, Ohio, long, long stay, during which I read a John Cheever story in The New Yorker. Terrific climb to get over storms, and then the usual thing, as soon as we are 35,000 feet on top of piles of bright clouds in the absolutely pure sky, the girls start bringing you shrimps. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Remember back in the old days when you got a shrimp on the plane? Uh -huh. I don't know if I remember because I wasn't there. I never got a shrimp. <laughs> Extraordinary when the girl came to ask my destination and when when New York came out as the most obvious and natural thing in the world, I suddenly realized that, after all, that I was a New Yorker. <laughs> remember, he's a New Yorker. So we're reading about a New Yorker. When people had asked my destination in the past, it was New York, to which I was coming back. Uh -huh. Actually, I thought I was going to hate the trip. I loved it. As Sandy Hook came in sight, I knew what it was immediately. Then the long string of beaches on the Jersey Shore, the twinkling water with boats in it, and dark brown hot Brooklyn and Manhattan over there. What? Idlewild, Kennedy Airport, in enormous rumble of trucks and buildings, of vast congeries of airports. Then in the American Airlines building, fantastic beings, lovely humans, assured yet resigned, some extraordinarily beautiful, all mature and sophisticated actual people, with whom I was in a profound rapport, with warmth and recognition. These are my people, for God's sake. <laughs> I had forgotten the tone of voice, the awareness, the weariness, the readiness to keep standing. Do you think New Yorkers have a readiness to keep standing? An amazing existence, the realization of the fallible condition of man, the fantastic complexity of modern life. <laughs> I loved being here, seeing familiar houses and places and unfamiliar huge apartments, yet knowing where I was. In other words, forest hills. Then sure enough, the World's Fair, preposterous, preposterous, just like the old one, but tamer. Now tower and ball, but the same place. Same Jewish cemetery that I used to look at with river-dazed eyes. I tried to pick out Hillside Avenue, Elder Avenue, and whatever the street was where I lived 40 years ago. He lived 40 years ago. Now, I don't know, the World Fair, I think, took place in 64. I don't know. 
You may have seen the World Fair. Morning of the 16th, bright clear sky and wind on Broadway, noble and vast with lots of new trees. Mass at Corpus Christi all by myself at Our Lady's altar before the lovely Italian medieval triptych. No word for it. My room in Butler Hall at Columbia looks out over Harlem. Out of Harlem, the noise of traffic and uninterrupted cries of playing children and cries of life, joy coming out of Patricatory. Loud and strong, the voice of a great living organism. Shots, too, and there is no rifle range. Frequent shots at what? More frequent than the Kennedy Woods <laughs> behind the Hermitage and hunting season. Hmm. Drums, bongos, the chanting of songs, dogs barking, traffic buses like jet planes, above all the morning light. Then the afternoon light, the flashing windows of the new housing development. The campus is better. The old south field track is gone. Dorms there now. The sundial is gone. Flashy new buildings and lots of foreign students. <laughs> About Suzuki later. How impressive and what a warm and charming visit today. The tea, the joy. See, he wanted to come to New York. <laughs> You think you would like to come back after being in the woods in Kentucky? Hmm. Hmm. June 20, 1964. Two good long talks with Suzuki. He is now 94. Bent, slow, deaf, but lively and very responsive. He's old. Much support from... Mihoko Okamura, his secretary, very charming and lively. They were both extremely friendly. Apparently, he had read several of my books. It seems a lot of Zen people read The Ascent to Truth. The Zen people read his book, The Ascent to Truth. This is somewhat consoling, though it is my wordiest and in some ways emptiest book. He was very pleased with the essay in Continuum. Thought it was one of the best things on Zen to have been written in the West. He's saying that the essay on Continuum thought it was the best things, one of the best things on Zen to have been written in the West. Miyoko made the green tea and whisked it up in the dark brown bowl and drank, and I drank it in three and a half sips as prescribed. Uh -huh. Do you think we should drink our tea with three and a half sips? We haven't been drinking in our tea with three and a half sips. As prescribed, found it wonderful. Jay Laughlin had said it was awful. 
So I sat with Suzuki on the sofa, and he talked of all kinds of things to do with Zen and with life. He read to me from a Chinese book familiar stories. I translated to him from Otavio Pez's Spanish version of Fernando Pessoa, P-E-S-S-O-A. There were some things he liked immensely, especially, praise be to God that I am not good. <laughs> hmm. I don't know what that's from. Praise be to God that I am not good. This, quote, that is so important, said Suzuki with great feeling. He likes Eckhart, as I already knew from the book I got at the University of Kentucky several years ago. These talks are very pleasant, profoundly important to me to see and experience the fact that there really is a deep understanding between myself and this extraordinary simple man whom I have been reading for about ten years with great attention. Hmm. You think we should read Suzuki with t over ten years with great attention? Hmm. A sense of being situated in this world, this is a legitimate consideration, but must not be misunderstood. I tried to explain things that perhaps did not need explaining. We both agreed on the need to steer clear of movements and to avoid promoting sand or anything else. Mihoko seemed very eager about this too and obviously knows her Zen. I felt her, she and I were in close sympathy too. In fact, I like her very much. For once in a long time, I felt as if I had spent a moment in my own family. The only other person with whom I have felt so at home in recent years is Victor Hammer and Caroline. It was rather like one of their visits. I hear Victor is to have an operation for cataracts. Perhaps Suzuki and Mihoko will come down to Gethsemane if they are in the United States next year. Suzuki said, I must come to Japan, but I can't, but I cannot. I said it with, he said it with meaning, not in a polite formula. I know I should go there. God will provide that just as he provided this extraordinary meeting. Said Mass two mornings entirely by myself, without servers, deeply moved at the altar of Our Lady, before which I made my profession of faith in the Corpus Christi Church 26 years ago. No one recognized me or discovered who I was, at least I think not. You going to make coffee now, or are we going to keep reading Zen? <laughs> <laughs> We want to go to New York or Gethsemane or Japan or to Columbia or oh goodness, uh, we haven't got our Suzuki books. Uh -huh. July second, nineteen sixty-four, Gethsemane. I guess he went back home. Meadowlark sitting quietly on a fence post in the dawn sun. His gold vest. Bright in the light of the east, his black bib tidy, turning his head this way, that way. 
This is a Zen quietness without comment. I think that's the title of our reading. This is a Zen quietness without comment. Yesterday, a very small, chic, uh, black and white butterfly on the whitewashed wall of the house. <laughs> That's all he says. He just says, yesterday, a very small, chic, black and white butterfly on the whitewashed wall of the house. That's all he says. It's not a complete sentence. So. Mm-hmm. Or, that's like a Zen quietness without comment. Oh. July 10th, 1964. Raphael Squiru, Squiru, S-Q-U-I-R-R-U. New man pamphlet is very provocative. How much this is needed. The little that is published in Latin America is likely to be nonsense. There is no deep interest in the question, yet this is one of the deepest and most urgent questions. As for Antonio Cruz, a brilliant, violent book, but Cruz is just as Mexican stereotype manifests magnificently redrawn. But is that the way Latin America is to be forever, as the United States wants it to be forever? There's much more to it, surely. I must read, read, and read. It is my vocation. The risk is not in seeking out or knowing these things, but in claiming to intend more than I am able to intend. They are looking for a savior and will take anyone as one. And I suppose I am looking for a savior or an earth mother. Do we need a savior or an earth mother at this time? I still believe in the idea of the dark Equatorian virgin. I, I got Jamie Andrade to carve in wood for the Noviciat. Noviciat. Noviciats. Noviciats. She is there. I do not talk to her. Nobody prays to her, but such a presence nonetheless. Dom Gabriel did not like her. Some conclusions now. Literature, contemplation, solitude, Latin America, Asia, Zen, Islam, etc. Is the conclusion. Some conclusions are going to be literature, contemplation, solitude, Latin America, Asia, Zen, Islam. We reach the conclusion. That's it. That's the end of the book. That's the conclusion. Just kidding. All these things combine in my life, it would be madness to make a monasticism by simply excluding them. I would be less a monk. Uh, others have their own way. I have mine. To write us to sequiriu, follow Miguel 
Miguel Grinberg as he goes to San Francisco, then to Argentina with a letter when needed. To think with those new men, the opening to the south has not closed. One day to the monastic places in Western Ireland. July 14, 1964. This morning, before High Mass, Brother Simon Patrick Hart told me, I think Patrick Hart is an editor of this book. This morning, before High Mass, Brother Simon Patrick Hart told me that a letter from Definitor Dom Laurence Bourget, Bourget, B O R U, B-O-U-R-G-E-T, had come, and the long section on peace for seeds of destruction had been passed, been passed without change by the general. Thus the new heart of the forbidden book, Peace in the Post-Christian Era, is to be published after all. Now, this would never have happened if Dom Gabriel had not been so stringent with the other three articles which would have been used in Seeds of Destruction if he had not forbidden their reprinting. Thus, in effect, the very thing he wanted to prevent most has happened because of his own authoritarianism. <laughs> if you try to prevent the publication causes it more to get published. Huh. This is something to remember when we think of religious obedience. The church is not entirely run by officials. None of this was arrived at in the end by my own initiative. Again, Dom Ig Ignace's part, demanding the reworking of the one article the publisher tried to insist on, led to this whole new approach. How strange are the ways of God? Hmm. It's quite colorful here. Huh? This is rather colorful for a monk. Uh, he's supposed to be living a quiet life in the woods somewhere. Huh? Mm -hmm. But they're just the birds. Uh. April 12, 1964. Last night I dreamed that Dom James suddenly announced that we would have funeral and quasi-military parades for the dead, along with every office of the dead from now on. It's another dream of his. I saw this begin and saw that the sick were all forced to participate, even the dead were in it, for the father of Fancius was there, albeit stumbling. The abbot was absolutely insistent on this preposterous new observance as a firm manifestation of his will. I tried to reason with him, on the grounds of simplicity, and even tried to find a copy of The Spirit of Simplicity for him to read, but could find none anywhere. Do you think we need a Spirit of Simplicity, a copy of it? There's always a need. One of the most needed things is the Spirit of Simplicity, perhaps. Well, it's interesting all the books he wrote. Hmm. Hmm. Well, not only do we have the journals of Thomas Merton, we have all the books that he wrote. Uh -huh. 
to read. Uh, I don't know how many, what we'll read, if any. <laughs> but since we happen to know that he's, Thomas Merton said, quote, my best writing has always been in journals, unquote. <laughs> October 13, 1964, one good result of the change in thinking on the part of Dom James is his desire for solitude. He gave me permission to sleep at the Hermitage without any special restrictions, though not necessarily all the time. The understanding is that I can spend the night there once in a while when I wish to. Last night I did this for the first time. Brother Coleman brought a bed up there Saturday evening. It was most helpful. It finally helped me to get the noise and agitation of the abbot's meeting out of my system. Though it has been quite cold for several days, I got enough sun into the place in the afternoon to dry it out and warm it up. Got up there after nightfall. Wonderful silence. Do we have a wonderful silence here, ironically, in New York City? Is it or isn't it silent in New York? Remember, I have those, uh, I have those uh, recordings of uh, New York and meditation <laughs> under lockdown. <laughs> Where we just listen to the birds. Uh -huh. Wonderful silence saying, complying gently and slowly with the candle burning before the icon of Our Lady. A deep sense of peace and truth. That this was the way things are supposed to be. That I was in my right mind for a change around the community. I am seldom in my right mind. Do you think yeah, we, if we were around a large community of monks rattling around, if we would be in our right minds? Uh, mm -hmm. No. <laughs> but you still would like to visit for the weekend, wouldn't you? <laughs> Total absence of care and agitation. Slept wonderfully well even though there was a great pandemonium of dogs in the woods when I got up about 12.20 and went out to urinate off the edge of the porch. I thought I would hear the bell for vigils at the monastery and didn't. However, I woke up soon after that and lit the fire and said lauds quietly, Slowly, thoughtfully, sitting on the floor, I felt very much alive, real, awake, surrounded by silence, and penetrated by truth. I guess if you're surrounded by silence, there's a chance you'll be penetrated by truth. Wonderful smell of pre-dawn woods and fields in the cold night. You think I'll be inspired to get a hut in the woods after reading this? Yes or no? Uh -huh. mm, I'll have to get one. Uh -huh. mm. October 20th, 1964. 
I am beginning to see that the question of solitude for me is finally getting to be no longer a question of wish, but of decision. Hmm. Wow. It's like we're here in stay in place, shelter in place, New York in pause, coronavirus pandemic, and we're quarantining at home. And here it says that he's decided solitude. He says, I am beginning to see that the question of solitude for me is finally getting to be no longer a question of wish, but of decision. I still do not know what scope of decision may be given me, but I do know that I must prepare to face a serious decision one about which I had more or less given up thinking. It seems to be a real encounter with the word that I must not evade, and yet, as in all such things, I am not too sure just where the encounter is, except that my heart tells me that in this question of the solitary life, there is for me a truth to be embraced that is not capable of a fully logical explanation that is not rooted in my nature nor my biography, but in something else. It may also cut clean through the whole network of my own recent work, ideas, writings, experiences, etc., even those that are in some way concerned the solitary life, monastic renewal, etc., For the moment, it seems to involve also cutting off a hundred contacts with the world and even legitimate and fruitful concerns with the events and needs of the time. I do not know or understand how far this needs to go, except that I am caught in all kinds of affairs that are no longer my business, and that they may prove to be great distractions and evasions. Yet I do not yet see where to begin. <laughs> It will also involve renouncing definitively some of the securities of the community. Sleeping here has been a great grace. I don't see why you can't get into sleeping into, uh, what would you call it, a cottage or a cabin, let's say. It doesn't have to be totally isolated if it's in a campground, a cabin up in the Adirondacks, uh, a well-placed cabin. Uh -huh. What do you think? You want to go to a cabin? <laughs> Sleeping here has been a great grace. Last night, full moon. At midnight, the whole valley was drenched in silence and dark clarity. What does it mean to have dark clarity? Dark clarity. At midnight the whole valley was drenched in silence and dark clarity. Cold this morning, going down to the monastery in the dark. I could feel frost on the grass and the dry corn husk under my feet. Hmm. 
October 31, 1964, an impressive passage of Urs von Balthasar's Verbum Caro, a deep and poignant essay. I will use part of it, perhaps in conferences to novices and juniors on poetry and human experience. These nights I have been spontaneously, I have been spontaneously been remembering the days when I first came to Gethsemane 30, 23 years ago. The stars, the cold, the smell of night, the wonder, the Verlassenheit, Verlassenheit, German word, which is something other than despondency, V-E-R. L-A-S-S-E-N-H-E-I-T and about all the melody of the Harate Kole. That entire first advent bore in it all the stamp of my vocation's peculiar character. The solitude inhabited and pervaded by the cold and mystery and woods and Latin liturgy. It is surprising how far we have got from the cold and the woods and the stars since those days. My fiftieth year is ending. If I am not ripe now, I never will be. It is the Karkaros, K-A-I-R-O-S. Say the stars, says Orion, says Aldebaran says the sickle moon rising behind the dark tall cedar cross. I remember the words I said to Father Philotheus, which may have been in part a cliché, but they were sincere. I know at the time that I really meant them. They were unpremeditated that, quote, I want to give God everything. <laughs> Until now, I really have not. I think, or perhaps in a way I've tried to, certainly not too hard. I cannot say my life in the monastery has been useless or a failure, nor can I say where or how it has a meaning, nor will I probably find where and how the hermitage has a meaning. It is enough that there is the same mixture of anguish and certitude, the same sense of walking on water as when I first came to the monastery. You want to make coffee or we keep reading? I'll be done. It's already 9.10. Somehow in New York got so quiet and peaceful now and, and uh, stuff that we don't have to go to Gethsemane because New York has now become a peaceful monastery. <laughs> <laughs> New York has gone completely to sleep. Everybody left. The streets are empty. And what? Well, it's just like one great big gigantic monastery now. Everyone's in meditation. So everyone in New York is meditating now.
It's like it's like this is how the golden age was swept in. The golden age somehow was swept when suddenly it came about when everyone went into meditation. You're far away. Well, November 7th, 1964, reading Ezekiel 6. This is about our idolatry as well as Israel's. Idolatry is the basic sin, and therefore that which is deepest in us, most closely related to our final sin, most likely to deceive us is the appearance of true worship or integrity or honesty or loyalty or idealism. Even Christianity is often idolatrous without realizing the sin of craving a God who is other than he who cannot be made an idol. In other words, an object. We saw some of these concepts in Maneri, I think. Where else? Mm -mm. November 19, 1964, the relationship of reconciliation retreat has been remarkably lively and fruitful, the sessions in the gatehouse mostly because of rain, but we got to the hermitage yesterday afternoon, Ping Ferry has been very helpful, he and I talked a lot at first about Jacques Ulul, E-L-L-U-L, then John Howard Yoder spoke well this afternoon on protest from the Mennonite viewpoint that is biblical relation of technology to the principalities and powers of St. Paul. Not at all akin to the mind of Elul, whom in fact he quoted a lecture of his. For personal intensity and sincerity, I have also liked very much the remarks of Albert Jean, a Methodist from the South, was a minister in Birmingham and was fired for, from his in, integrationist ideas. He was fired for his integrationist ideas. You'd think that religious leaders who integrate should be fired. <laughs> they should be fired. They, well, how dare they integrate? Desegregation can be brought about by anyone, but integration only by the Holy Spirit. A.J. Musty is impressive in real wisdom, modesty, and gentleness. Dan, Ber Dan Berikan said a way out mass in the Novitiat Chapel, yet it was beautiful too. He had two ministers, Nelson Musty, Red Gospel, and Epistles. Epistle. Dan's celebration of the sacrificial liturgy was simple and impressive, all in English and uncanonical, even to the extreme point, not only of communion of both kinds, but communion with Protestants. <laughs> <laughs> It was all in English and uncanonical, even to the extreme point, not only of communion in both kinds, but communion with Protestants. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that this reading is like a communion with me, a Protestant? <laughs> mm -hmm. 
even a Protestant. Communion to Protestants. And both kinds, but communion to Protestants. Hmm. I suppose it will be the same again tomorrow in the Junior 8 Chapel where the altar is better suited for standing around in a circle. Last night, my dream of the Chinese princess has haunted me all day. (laughs) Dear, dear, he keeps dreaming of the ladies. Amazing. Do you think that I? The, I don't dream that much of but the, the, the fighting. The, the, you don't want to be a woman in that monastery after those dreams. Are you afraid <laughs> of, to go there? That's a woman. <laughs> the way, only way to be safe from all these women in your dreams is to have a real woman. Last night, my dream of the Chinese princess has haunted me all day, proverb again. Oh, remember, proverb was one of those prior dreams. This lovely, familiar, archetypal person, no object and how close and real, yet how elusive, who comes in various mysterious ways into my dreams. She was with her brothers, and I felt overwhelming the freshness, the youth, the wonder, the truth of her, her complete reality, more real than any other, yet unattainable. Yet the sense of understanding of her knowing and loving me, yet not merely in my individuality and everyday self, as if this self were utterly irrelevant to me, not rejected, not accepted either. Now, rainy night, I sit watching this in the green technological light of the Coleman lamp at the Hermitage. They will leave tomorrow. She's always got some company or something going on. (laughs) Dear, they had, it looked like a conference, a retreat, they call it. You know what retreats are. Mm -hmm. Retreats. They had a retreat. Hmm. That's what... But he was talking about the dream. Right now, like, it's very common, you'll kind of go to a retreat. <laughs> but he was talking about the dream. But he had a dream of the prince, Chinese princess. He finished the dream. That's it, the dream's over. Want me to read the dream again? <laughs> Which is better, to have a woman or to dream of a woman? Hmm. Hmm. December 1, 1964. We'll not easily forget this thin sickle of the old moon rising this morning, be just before dawn when I went down to say Mass. Cold sky, hard brightness of stars through the pines, snow and frost. Exultation on the bright darkness of morning. Dear, what is a bright darkness of morning? What's exaltation on it? The colors maybe of everything around is dark. Can you explain to me? There is that light. 
Then the cold of Advent I recapture the lostness and wonder of the first days when I came here twenty-three years ago, abandoned but to God, with everything left behind. I have not yet felt this for the first long time here. The monastery is too warm, too busy, too sociable for that. But breaking off and living to a great extent in the woods brings me back face to face with the loneliness and poverty of the cold hills and the Kentucky winter, incomparable the reality of my own life. <laughs> There's a lot of people in Kentucky that says, well, we're also alone here in Kentucky as well. What's the difference between him and us? <laughs> You could come on out here to Kentucky if you want, and we give you a place to stay. You could live all alone in the woods. <laughs> uh, if you want to come down here to Kentucky, you're welcome to come on down, and we got a nice little place over here for you. You want to stay? We can stay. I don't see the difference what he had and you could have. Uh -huh. I do. You do? Difference. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I really should stop and get that cup of coffee. Uh -huh. yeah, I, think I, can I don't think I can finish December and in, uh, in this reading. I'm going to have to stop. You like to finish it and then coffee. Read a little more. I could read. I think I should stop. With that trip down, with that thing about getting our own place down in Kentucky, I could do the same thing he did if I just got myself. I could get myself a place down there. I don't see the difference. If I had the Suzuki's books and some Zen books and... We read Suzuki. If I had some green tea, if I had Suzuki and green tea, and I went down to Kentucky, <laughs> we could take his books. We could go down there and read his books in his hermitage. Or we can't get in his hermitage, so we'll get another hermitage. We'll go down to Kentucky and see my cousin. <laughs> I wonder how close she is. You want to see my cousin? <laughs> I have a cousin in Kentucky. Uh -huh. I miss my cousin. If I was down there, I would go maybe to Kentucky. I would go over to Cincinnati, too. And then I would go down. I would like to go down there and see if I could get my own place. Um, <laughs> 